Hello and welcome to Let's Run Facebook Ads podcast with myself, Nick Boddington. Here I share insider information about Facebook ads. But as you know, it's not just running the ad, it's what happens after. So we'll look into the funnels, e-commerce, email marketing, lead generation, and much, much more. Charlie, welcome back. Thank you. It's nice to be here once again. I love it. God, we see each other so much. Um, Broad, you from from when I for anyone who's looking at your Instagram, give us a little plug of your Instagram. We won't do it at the end. Of yeah, it. it's at CT the Disruptor. Uh, it's on Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, uh, Twitter. Uh, I mean, that's my handle. You, you search that out there. You, you search Facebook Disruptor or CT the Disruptor. You're gonna find me. Spell yeah. it with an E. The O is for Facebook because you can spell it two different ways, and I chose the American version. Right. So check him out because it's good stuff. And I, as I said early before this podcast, I said you, you're probably the most active person in this industry on social media, which is absolutely awesome. Um, basically, you you talk a lot, and we have to be repetitive, so I don't mean that disrespectfully. You talk a lot about broad audience targeting. And in mm-hmm. truth, one of the things you said to me a while back was the fact that you know you've been in this game longer than I know anyone who's been in this game is that when you first started doing ads on Facebook, when you when you chose an audience, if you started narrowing that audience down by bringing in different interests, you would see how much Facebook is going to charge you for those interest groups. Yes. And, you were, and what you were saying was, so you start seeing it on a scale. As you're narrowing, you see your price going up. Is that that's still there, yeah? That yeah, absolutely. Advertiser. So the, the only thing is they don't they don't itemize out the line item for the extra cost. But hey, look, guac is extra. Right, yeah. like no customization comes for free. So you're, you, so you talk about broad audience targeting. Now, I will be qu- quite honest. Probably don't do enough of it. Um, trying out doing more of it. The more I see watching what you're what you're doing, what you're talking about, I'm trying more of it in different scenarios. There are scenarios where it works really well. There are scenarios where my interest bases work better. Um, all these different things. But I think at the same time, you work in your way of dynamic creative broad audience all this sort of stuff which is really really interesting because i don't think anyone's i think so for me working with so many different clients so many different things work in different places and sometimes you get a result in one that you've created and you don't turn it off don't 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 break something that's not don't fix something that's not broken and then you might the client might not have any more budget so you do, so it's not, it's not that often you're in a position where clients are just going here's all my money do whatever you like test out everything we're not in that sort of situation um so i'd like to you know talk quickly about your broad audience and then ask you the question on this one so american consultant client of ours uh they are a charity they work for charities the particular charity is about raising money for dogs and the campaign is walk walk 20 miles this month with your dog click here to get your fundraising package it's costing them two dollars fifty to get that package and they are having a lot of them Decent budget, spending $600 a day. His query is, every time we go to scale, I mean, $600 a day is a decent budget anyway, but every time we go to scale, our costs per acquisition or cost per lead goes way higher, you know, doubles, triples in price. So we bring it back down again. It mellows out $2.50 a a lead. What would you do in this situation? Because you're already already broad anyway. He's already just doing, well, this is where you might correct me for being broad. Because I I noticed on your Instagram the other day, people were asking you questions about broad and what's not broad. 
they are doing everyone in the U- in the US who is age 35 plus. Love it. Anyway. Yeah, technically speaking, broad is age, gender, location. Right. So he's got millions in that audience. Yeah. Yeah. So his his, his target. So his scenario is: I'm ta- already targeting millions of people, but as soon as I want to get to more people by upping my budget on the same ad, and he's doing it's doing quite simply, my costs skyrocket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one, I'm not surprised by that. And two, that's, you know, not terribly unexpected. And those are probably similar sides of the same coin. Um, But one thing is, one, to go back to attribution and measurements, I want to know what is my blended overall cost of acquiring a customer journey? In this case, uh, uh, somebody to do this fundraising thing, which sounds great. I actually want to know more about it because I'd probably do it myself. Yeah. Uh, I got a couple of dogs and I, you know, run five miles a day or something like that. So count me in. Yeah. Um, that being said, it sounds like there are a couple of issues. One, we don't scale when we hit our goal. One is you need to define, you need a, what I call a total loss investment. This is an old banking style way of thinking, but saying, if my goal is a $50 cost per, and I've got it down to 45, great. That means I can spend 10% more at a total loss. I can make a total loss investment of 10% more. Because if I get zero more conversions for that, zero more transactions, I'm still doing well. Yeah. Now, what we're going to see from that is that kind of like taking the profit. Yeah. Straight back in again. Sure. Something that might not work. Yeah, exactly. And it's taking the profitable margin, which when we get into PSM, it's profitable scaling margin. That's the whole idea around PSM, which is how I measure things instead of MER, ROAS, these inactionable things. Like what if somebody buys twice or tomorrow? Well, my ROAS has nothing, but my email comes in today. MER is completely shot. Like if you have good business, those metrics are completely destroyed. So I never use them because they're trash. Um, PSM, profitable scaling margin, is really built on this concept from investment banking. And it says, in this case, I'm coming in at 45. If I send 10% more and I get zero more results on the platform, the platform shows me 49.50. My goal was a 50. So I'm still... 1% better than my allowable, than good enough. Now, what you're going to see is one, yes, there's going to be an initial spike because Facebook's going to have to say, oh, you have this content. We're going to have to find other users to see it. And there's a learning curve. Realistically, that number will start to come back down again. Yeah, yeah. Also, because you're now reaching 10% more people, Theoretically, in case your CPMs just spiked, let's just for the purpose of this conversation keep it level. Although realistically, you're probably going to see a little bit of a drop off. But for the purpose of this conversation, let's be let's be aggressive. Let's say you get a 50% drop off. Your initial CPMs are 20 bucks. At this extra 10%, that new percent is $30 CPM. So you're reaching half as many people. You are going to see more du- direct organic traffic to your site. 
you're going to see more search volume. You're going to see more results that are not attributed to Facebook coming in. That total net volume of results that you're not attributing to your advertising is going to rise. That's called incremental lift. So when we start measuring across our entire ecosystem, that 10% total loss investment that we're allowing on Facebook, if we still get no results from Facebook, but we get 5% more results across the board, really, we went from a 45, and not to a 49.50, but maybe to a 47.50 or a 47 and a quarter, uh, because we're like cutting the difference. And as Facebook gets more effective at finding people to show these ads to, basically it's getting a higher quality experience to a higher volume of people because your CPMs are going to come down. You're going to reach more good people. But it does come down. It's that learning. It's the learning of when someone starts uh, bad. Well, I mean, basically it's like this. If you're a really good salesperson and I give you a room full of people you know how to talk to, great. And then I put you in a room that's bigger. You're going to have to learn how to do that. Or if you're working on a factory floor and you can make 10 widgets a day, and I say, awesome, I need you to make 12. The first few days, you're probably going to be not great. The quality of your work might go down. Yeah, yeah. Give it a week or two, the quality, you're going to probably be able to do. And we've all seen this with employees and, and, and in ourselves. I mean, hey, this dog walking thing. If you've ever gone for a run, the first time you decide to do it, you might make it half a mile before you're like, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. And then after a couple of months, you can do miles and miles and miles, and you're okay. Yeah, you can sit on the treadmill for an hour. Way. What about yeah. if you were to? What about if you were to do something they used to still call vertical scaling, isn't it? Or no, horizontal scaling. I think horizontal scaling. Yeah, where I you think horizontal. Yeah, when you've got working, duplicate it, quadruple the budget, so he could turn it up to three thousand a day. Press play. I think horizontal scaling can work. However, I look at horizontal scaling as incremental. So my point to that is I'm using horizontal scaling, and I do it sometimes. I'm using that because I've hit a law of diminishing returns with the algebra of bid, estimated action rate, and budget. My ads can only do so much work today against this available audience with the data that it has in the budget. I get, if I ask you to make, you're good at tw 20 things. If I ask you to make 100, you're going to do it, but it's going to be terrible if you even get there. Maybe I can condition you over time to make 50 or 60. Maybe eventually I can get you up to 70 or 80. But if I want to get to that 100, I could ask, I could duplicate you and make a little you know, satellite version that does a, a smaller percentage. And that thing starts off at 20, where you started. But if you're going to do, uh, if you're going to do horizontal scaling, I've always been a fan of, because of just success and failure that I've seen, doing horizontal scaling with respect to, it's a smaller piece of the budget. And it is meant to provide incrementality to your initial piece. If you take those same post IDs against that same audience and you run it from 500 to 3,000 in a day, maybe you do good, maybe you don't. But almost assuredly, your mothership, where you built that stuff to start with, is going to tank. Because now 
your post IDs, remember your web pages, because every ad is a post ID, every post ID is a web page. It was, what's that? And the duplication of it is affecting it. Yeah, and the duplication of it, we're using that exact same post ID. You've initially found the right fit for you on how many people can Facebook and show that to on a daily basis that's positive for them. Yeah. When you start forcing that to six times as many people, Facebook doesn't see, well, in here it's a bad experience, but over here it's good. It's saying to now your click-through rate, your stickiness, your bounce rate of your web page, your, your ad, because remember, every ad is a web page. It has a post ID that's literally the page. It's going to go sideways, right? It's going to go belly up. And when that happens, that now means that you are a larger and larger liability to Facebook's bottom line. And there's no segmentation of that user experience because it's coming from that post ID, from your page and your ad account to your website. Like, it's not a completely walled garden. So in your efforts to amplify some great effect you're having in some other place, what you're doing is you're destroying the entire ecosystem. And so going broad, that's another reason why interest groups are tremendous liability. So instead of saying horizontal scaling with a 6x budget, let's take the ad that works at broad or the ad that looks at interest group and force it on somebody else. Now, when you're going to interest groups, Data says about one third of the people in the interest group shouldn't be there. The the uh, the the constant con, how interest groups are created is is about seventy percent accurate, and that tech hasn't been updated in like almost a decade. Also, fifty percent of those people might not think positively. You might be in a group that says, "I hate cats." Now I'm a dog lover, so I'm just taking the other end of this thing. Yeah. Not that I hate cats, just for the purpose of this conversation. I'm actually just an animal lover in general, but for the purpose of this. I hate cats, right? And then you say everywhere, oh, I hate cats, blah, blah, blah. You're in the cat's interest group. So think about any time you've gone to a restaurant and it was really good, maybe you told some people. When it was really bad, did you tell people that it was bad? So my point is that interest group, maybe if one third of it is inaccurate and half of the available remaining data set is negative, two thirds of that potential audience is a bad fit for your content which means two thirds of the impressions that you might deliver against that audience are harmful impressions to the efficiency of your entire ad account. Now, there's still one third, right? So you can still spend that budget and reach that one third and still do good. But can you realistically scale your business on one third of a segmented, narrowed audience? Yeah. Versus figuring out how to solve that problem at broad and never having to worry about audiences again. The last part about this is one of the most common things, and I got into somebody yesterday on Twitter that insisted that just interest groups worked. And they were like, well, clearly you never advertised in the UK. Things are different here. And I was like, I've spent about $50 million in the UK. I have a little bit of, 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 of some experience in that market. It's no different than anywhere else in the world. When you are, what they did, and I see a lot of people do this, they take their winning ad and they go against broad. Well, that winning ad was probably tested against that interest group. So that winning ad only works against that one-third audience. So it needs the training wheels of that one-third audience. And when you run it with that one-third audience, that interest group, and you're broad, 
Well, every impression in that broad that could be good is all being served by that interest group because that interest group exists inside of it. So why would Facebook double serve that one user that already knows how to appease? Yeah. So then you're trying to take a solution that only works for a small segment of a narrow audience and take that to everybody, but you can't serve it to that small segment of that narrow audience. And then you're complaining when it doesn't function and you set yourself up for failure. So my suggestion in these situations is, Creative tasks with dynamic at broad. Focus on getting your net result below your average desired efficiency on a blended result. Define that margin and then spend into that margin and then wait a minute and see where it settles. And then spend into it again. You're going to see an initial spike and it will drop off. That's totally expected. Remember, you showed up to work today, you make 10 things every single day, now we're asking you to do 12. You're probably going to struggle for a few days. That's realistic. And the data set in Facebook has to understand who those people are. It's going to make good and bad impressions. Totally fine. But instead of saying, well, this is good, let's go from 600 to 1,000, say this is good, what percentage, what is our profitable scaling margin right now? Our total loss investment that we can make Let's spend into that and then see what happens across our entire media mix. Yeah. Yeah. And then continue to ramp it up. And what you have when you do that, you might be saying, how do we get from 600 to 1,000? Right? Like, that's your question. How do I do that? Or 600 to 3,000 or whatever that number is. What if instead of that, we did this other model that I'm talking about, total loss investment with profitable scaling margin against broad? And in three months, every single day was 3,000. So instead of you setting your entire business on fire for a few good days, your best case scenario then is a little bit worse than every day now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just the way I look at it. And, and that's that's looking at a business like an investment banker. That's so just saying. Broad, so yeah. with broad, opposed to using the audiences, is that because... Facebook knows it's it's already read. We, actually, so it's it's already read our de- our website because we've got pixel on it. It knows that people come into our pixel. Would you say that you need to have, if you're brand new or you have very low traffic to your website, would you still go with Broad? Yeah, I would. I would say yes. Um, my position with that is that if you don't have a lot of money, How is it good for you if you don't have a lot of money to start building with something that is ultimately a liability to your success? Now, I would say, do you have enough money to start introducing low competence liabilities as a business practice? My point with that being this, I think people start out Facebook accounts with completely unrealistic expectations. Don't start running ads on Facebook if you can't be in the game for three months, six months, a year. Like, don't open a retail location if you can't pay, if you don't think you can pay your rent, don't sign a two-year lease. Yeah. Absolutely. The point is... We've got it with someone now. Got it with someone now. Yeah. And so my point there is, if, you saw, if you're saying, well, I need my money right away and I'm going to build on interest groups, 
Understand that what that means is you are prior to prioritizing immediate success in a way that is going to make long-term growth and stability much more difficult. Every day that you invest in doing things poorly and identifying and you send every penny that you spend, is a, every impression you deliver is a signal to Facebook that says, I don't care about you. I don't respect your business objectives. I want you to deliver me money. Your relationship is starting with middle fingers demanding cash. If you're in the true interest of building a business, you should be focused on long-term value in the relationships that you have. If you can't afford to invest in the long-term value of the relationships, then I would question whether or not you truly are ready to take advantage of this opportunity. And there might be much better other choices for you because Facebook also isn't the only game in town. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, Charlie, you've taken a lot of your time up today. Well, over the last few podcasts anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big thing, but yeah, no, brilliant. Really, really good advice. I think I love, I love what you're doing. I love trying out things. I think you're probably one of the only people out there that, I follow and hopefully the listeners will start following where you're doing something a bit different. Do you know what I mean? You're looking things in a different way and um, that's, that can only be good. And I think that whether people agree with the interests, whether they want to, I think it's one of those things people sit there going, Oh, but I, I have to target people who like dogs because it's a dog product. Try it. Try, yeah. try going broad and things like that. But yeah, I try think- going broad and have your ad say, do you like dogs? Because if you notice that interest group doesn't, who likes dogs? That interest group is dogs. Well, that's another podcast altogether talking about how, yeah. how excuse upon dog whistle copy, as I call it, and how you speak to the audience before they read more to get your to make sure that that person is is the person you want. That person will know very quickly whether they're the person who should be looking at your ad because you've yeah. And more importantly, Facebook will know because of the metadata on your site, the content of your videos and the words that you're using, whether or not that person, whether their user experience is going to be better or worse because your content is in their way. Yeah. So like it's all I mean, when you think about it that way, this is all really easy. Just make content people want to see and then only run the content that does well for your business. If you make really good content, it's going to work anyway. Yeah, I mean, if you make if you make really good content, people want to see, and it delivers good business results. You can make a ton of clickbait, nobody wants to buy. That's fine. I can say, hey, free test, free Ferrari Testarossa test drives for everyone. I'm going to get a whole bunch of homeless people and college students. I'm never going to sell a Ferrari. That so is. there is a bit of a there is a bit of a balance. But absolutely, your ad account would get banned anyway very quickly. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but hey, I'm trying to be hyperbolic to make yeah, a point. Yeah, but you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah, brilliant. Nick, I, I really appreciate it, man. I, I always love talking to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's cool, man. Um, keep up the good work. Um, and you've got the do you, would you want to just just a little hook for your MBA program? Sure. So um I do a lot of training, I do a lot of free content, I do a lot of different things, but I also I have a signature program. I'm building disruptor school which yeah. is basically the Code Academy of Digital Marketing. And the flagship product right now, the most popular thing is what we're talking about here. It's called the Facebook Ads MBA program. If you want to learn how to run Facebook ads in a way that will make you in 12 weeks better than 85, 90% of every media buyer on the planet and a C- and learn how to be a CMO, 
that's what this program is for. It's it's a Facebook ads growth and acquisition training and CMO development program. Um, it is an investment in yourself and your future. And if you want to check that out and you want to get on my calendar to just have a conversation, whether or not it's a good fit for you, you can go to submit.facebookdisruptor.com. That literally submits an application. Uh, and I try to, you know, we will find if it's the right fit for you. Um, it isn't for everybody. And that's fine. Yeah. And uh, I would love to chat with you if you want to have it, because I am producing the next class of the world's best marketers on a, on a daily basis. And it's super exciting to see all of the people that run ad agencies that talk smack to me in public, how many of their clients are signing up for my program and firing them? It is empowering because ultimately I want people to be more successful. I want people to have less stress. I want to help create jobs and confidence and joy. And at the end of the day, I think that falls against the best practices that are employed or the standards of practice that are employed by the vast majority of ad agencies. And that's one reason I love to talk with you because you do not fall into that category. And we have great conversation because of it. Thank you for joining us again today. If you want to find out more, please head over to our socials at Let's Run Social, where we share daily content. And please feel free to drop us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And any questions that you would like answered, we can do that here on the podcast.